Chats with Frank Palmer, the marketing, media, and communications talk show. With Noel O'Day. Thank you to all our sponsors. Well, today I have the pleasure of talking with Noel O'Day or some of you may know him as Randy. And we're going to get to that Randy part a little bit later. But uh, Noel, good morning. Well, good afternoon. Yes, it is a good afternoon there. What's it about 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon? 3 o'clock, yeah. Yeah. Well, what we're going to do is I'm going to do a short introduction about you and your agency. And after that, we're going to get into some of the questions. Does that work for you? Well, I, I don't think I've got a choice, Frank. <laughs> You're the guy with the, you know, the on button. Of course. On, the, on button, right, right. Okay, well, I've known you probably now for, I don't know, 30 years or more. Yeah. As a young boy. As a young boy. And while we don't often get the chance to meet in person, whenever we did, uh, I know we'd always enjoy each other's company like uh, long lost friends. And uh, at the same time, we enjoyed the occasional pint or two, had a little bit of fun. But as the story goes, uh, from what I've been reading about is that you were born in Toronto. And some of uh, some people or most think that you were born in Newfoundland or Newfoundland. How do you pronounce it properly? Understand? No, Newfoundland, Newfoundland or Newfoundland? Understand? <laughs> okay. But he was kidnapped by gypsies and at an early age ended up in St. John's. And I'm going to ask Noel about the real facts about that as we move along. But uh, he's, Noel is really one of a kind. He's a film director. He's a writer, an art director. But beyond that, he's really a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. In fact, he may even be the godfather of storytelling in Canada. He really is kind of like the great Gatsby, the F. Scott Fitzgerald, Ernest Hemingway, or even Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. But I'm sure that if most of you that know Rowling and what he's accomplished is that you'll know that he's probably one of the very best storytellers out there. His clients would say that he's very unique dynamically creative and multi-talented. One client said, Randy, his overflowing creativity and larger than life and his sense of humor makes him a gem. He pushes creative boundaries and breaks through them with an end product that shines every single time. I will tell you a little bit later about some of his creative achievements, but Noel's company, Target Marketing and Communications Inc., is uniquely in St. John's, Newfoundland. His company culture is so important to him. It's all about being informal and operating in a very uh, in, uh, collegial uh, atmosphere that encourages the creativity for the company's success. Noel says that his work is based on collaboration and a warm shared culture. From all the creative awards that Target has been enjoyed, it's obviously working and working very well. So good morning and welcome to the NABS Ad Chats. Well, th thanks very much, Frank. That's a, I, I'm going to have to move my, my MacBook back because my head has just gotten a little larger. I think I'm out of frame here on the camera left. No, but, but I, I really mean what I say. And I, I know you, you do, and I'm not trying to make your head swell it's just the fact is that you're well known for the work that you do in fact in one of the commercials or one of the interviews i did um, we'll get to that later i've had one of chris staples even said the work that you do is fantastic so our conversation today is about 45 minutes maybe a little longer and its purpose is obviously to raise nab's awareness for their support line and you and the other uh, speakers obviously are the right ones to help us do that because we are in a situation where we need NAB support. So are you ready to begin? Ready to go, Frank. All right. Hopefully no today- No practical gonna... jokes, Frank, no practical <laughs> no, jokes. No, no, I, I promise. Well, you never know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Um, hopefully we're going to find out some of that secret sauce that you have obviously have out there from the other end of where we are in Canada. You're yeah. over there and I'm over here. Yeah. Where does the name Randy come from? Uh, well, it was a, an adjective uh, frequently used in the 16th and 17th century regarding, uh, oh, you mean for me? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have no idea. You'd have <laughs> no idea. Not what? a descriptor. <laughs> no, but you have the nickname Randy, I take it. No, no. I've, uh, I know lots of Randys and uh, uh, Randy Diplock but I've never actually adopted his persona. Oh, well, I've, I've yeah. read that in some articles that people call you Randy. So maybe they, those articles are all wrong. So where well, were you born? Uh, as a young boy in my mother's bedroom. <laughs> what city? <laughs> uh, well, Frank, um, I, I was, I know you mentioned I was born in Scarborough uh, and, you know, most people would say that uh, you know, most people in Toronto are really Newfoundlanders who ran out of money on, on the way to Alberta. But no, I was, wasn't born in Scarborough. I was, I, was born in, uh, um, I was born in Newfoundland in a fishing village called Renews. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you weren't kidnapped by gypsies? Uh, that was later. <laughs> <laughs> Do you come from a family of storytellers? Frank, life, life is storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, I, I know I, that, but I, not everybody, not everybody can tell that story well, like you can. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think people, I, I, I mean, there are a lot of great storytellers, you know, I, I, uh, there's certainly a lot of great storytellers in Newfoundland. I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, obviously, storytelling was the main form of, uh, you know, uh, recreation for people, I guess. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about that. I, I uh, but no, my family wasn't any more storytellers than than anybody else's that I know of. But I mean, storytelling is. Uh, you're a great storyteller, Frank. Well, I was just uh, wondering whether you got your your skill set from your mom or your dad or family members. No, I I, I never really thought about it in that ter ter in those terms. But it's all around me. I grew up with people always telling stories, making stuff up out of nothing finding a way to weave a one sentence into 10 minute, uh, you know, shaggy dog story of some kind, you know, I, I was, uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. But I mean, Frank, this morning, apparently, somebody saw God walking around downtown St. John's. And, and uh, so they went up to God and said, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And she said, I'm working from home. So, I mean, she, she, she said, is that what you said? She said, she said, yeah, she said that she was working from home. So I don't know where these stories come from, right? They're, they're all around us, I think, you know. I agree. I just think that some people can tell it a little bit better and they, and they do. And that's why some awards are given out because of those stories that are told better. Yeah. Did you know you wanted to get into the advertising business or marketing at an early age in your life or did it? How did that happen? I didn't know there was such a thing. Really? Yeah. No, you but didn't. I mean, you know, creative, I mean, I mean, creativity is, well, in Newfoundland, which I can only speak to growing, in terms of growing up, although I've lived in uh, many different parts, parts of the world, I, uh, you know, uh, I, I was surrounded always from a, uh, by, creativity and ingenuity. I mean, people who could do amazing things to solve problems and people who uh, were able to weave long entertaining uh, stories around uh, matters of truth, you know, idioms even, but it just seemed to come natural. You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure where, where that kind of came from. It's kind of natural. It's like you're practical jokes and and your sense of humor right i mean it's, uh, well it comes to i didn't me. go to school for it <laughs> it usually comes to me in a moment like that when i can seize the opportunity to play a joke on someone <laughs> and and yeah. and it usually does um, and i'm waiting for one from you right now to play one on me but did you go to school or college uh, in order to hone your skills 
No, I, I, uh, no, I, I did. I can't say that I, I didn't. I mean, no, I, I didn't go to uh, film school or you know the wonderful programs at places like Humber and other schools that are available now. It just was always a natural thing to read and to write and to tell stories and to, um, um, you know, to find creative ways of expressing yourself visually or in film or photography, just like I guess most people, you know, do. And it just was a natural uh, draw. I, I just kind of, it happened. I, I never ever planned a career in and I've, I've had a number of careers, but I've never planned uh, a career in advertising. It just kind of happened. I know that may sound serendipitous. You know, uh, if I was, um, you know, if I was with Boston Consulting Group, then, or you were, you would be saying, so now what was your master plan? You know, what were the best practices that you followed? And what were the milestones you had stepped out like for along your career to achieve your goal? And I have to say that, you know, hate to disappoint you, but it things just kind of happen, and so, so it was. It's so never really you, seemed like an effort or work, really. What was, what was your first job? Cutting out cod tongues. Cutting out cod tongues. Really? Yeah, which you've had. Uh, not you. You've eaten cod tongues. My very first job was working for a television station, and actually doing some of the cells for the Beatles. Uh, okay. That was a long time ago when you had to paint yeah. the cells all by hand. I remember, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I saw it and, on the History Channel. And I, I had to do that. And I thought I was living in uh, the best part of my life. And yeah, I was going to head and go somewhere. But it turned out that that didn't work out quite well. But I ended up getting into the printing business, too. But I... And so how did that work out for you? Where did you go from there? I mean, well, I was only eight, so I, I wasn't <laughs> sure how far back you wanted me to go. So <laughs> if, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I went to, uh, you know, I, I went to, did an undergraduate degree and graduate uh, degree. And along the way, uh, I, I had another life, which was a more of a creative life. And uh, so when I, graduated my uh, from Queens uh, it ended up going in becoming a uh, and a product manager and a new product manager you know wow. and and um, which was amazing to uh, be able to create things and to shape messaging around uh, products and learn not to tell a lie but to find a way to stand out and be differentiated and what I found is that I was loved being spending time with the agency. And I, I was always encouraging the agency, which was a small agency in Toronto. Um, uh, and Ken Burt was the uh, account manager, director, senior guy there, and trying to encourage them to get away from the checklists and let's just like, let's, let's use humanity and storytelling rather than checklists in the advertising because I had limited opportunity to shape and I was a young guy and um, you know I didn't have as much I didn't have 40 years or 30 or 20 years experience so I, I was probably a meddler you know but I was probably more of a meddler trying to encourage rather than be dogmatic and give orders of you know which happens uh, sometimes you might have experienced with young product managers and supervisors and stuff so that just was a lot more interesting than, although I love the planning side because without that, then is art, art without, uh, uh, you know, creative without strategy is called art. Is that the, is that the word? So I don't know. It unfolded, Frank. No, but I, I think when you're talking about that is that some of the best uh, advertising comes just from an instinct and not the research yes. that goes behind it because it's like somebody wants to protect their job by doing all the research. And if it fails, they say the research Yeah, it was the research. And I go, no, 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 no. It's not the research. It's because you didn't take a chance and, and yeah. too seldom today that doesn't happen as much as it should. Who, who, who gives you your inspiration? Do your staff give you inspiration people around you or who do you have as mentors? 
But Frank, like just going back, you know, I, I don't know when this uh, entered our vocabulary, but uh, you you might remember. But there's there's a phrase called best practices. Now, where did that come from? That term, right? When did that start? Was that the consultancies? <laughs> kind of saying, hey, we survey the world and we look at successful companies. Was that Lobby's book? You know, uh, because just I'm triggered here by what you said before you were asking me a question about uh, checklists. You know, where did that word best practices come from? And doesn't, doesn't that mean if everybody followed, identified, read the books and saw the sem visited the seminars of here is the best practices for creating advertising for packaged goods or for our beverages or for certain services or telecom or for marketing or retailing or pricing or whatever it is. And if everybody followed all those best practices, Frank, wouldn't it be that everybody would be doing the same thing? Absolutely. So, so, so we're like, I mean, that's, and where does differentiation come out of best practices? I thought it was, you just triggered something, which was best practices what you want to do is figure out what they are and then do something different because everybody else is reading the books and the seminars and getting the consultants in to say, follow the best practices. And, you know, how many times is the product shot in there? How often is the logo? How long the pack shot? It's, it's such a, uh, the tail wagging the dog of actually getting people's attention and maybe, maybe it getting was into just, their heart and soul. Maybe it's just another way for someone to sell more books. Like could and seminars and seminars. I mean, a lot. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are doing that right now. You know, um, yeah. but I, you know, one of the things I remember about you is that over the years is that you all you never did what the other guys were doing. You, I know you were pretty good at figuring out what your competition was doing in the agency business, but you always took an angle that was a little different. You know, and 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 that's been kind of. Uh, that's been kind of inspiring to me because of the reasons I mentioned. Ubiquity is best practices. Differentiation is following and you're walking, you know, uh, your own, traveling down your own path, you know. Uh, well, I think that's always the way that you want to be different. If you're not, yeah. if you're not different, you're the same as the crowd. And, and you yeah. said earlier, um, I'd like to know how you came up with that came campaign for the Flat Earth Society. But uh, before I do that, let's just play one of the spots there. It's a two minute spot and you can give us a little background on it. So play that spot here, would you please? People from the Flat Earth Society believe that this place is one of the four corners of the world. The very edge of the Earth. Well, that's just foolishness. Isn't it?
Wonderful spot. Um, I really loved a few words that were in it. I thought that maybe that might have been you as the actor when I first started looking at it. But I love the line, the people from the Flat Earth Society believe that this place is one of the four corners of the world, the very edge of Earth. Well, that's just foolishness. That's just foolish, isn't it? Great words. Um, uh, it's also read that the Flat Earth Society believes that humanity lives on a disk or flat. And some people think that the Earth is shaped like a diamond. But I really think that what you did with that conspiracy theory is that you turned a diamond into a great advertising campaign. Well, well thanks a lot. You know, uh, Frank, uh, <clears throat> so that, that spot that you just played, uh, we, that was the very first spot we created 15 years ago for Newfoundland and Labrador. And so, and it almost got us fired. So it's... <laughs> what, what happened? Well, who in their right mind, it's like there's time. I think uh, Yeats had a line, something like um, uh, he had a, an abiding sense of, uh, uh, he had an abiding sense of uh, a tragedy, you know, which sustained him through, you know, small periods of joy. I, I mean, it's a fairly dark spot when people yeah. first look at it. Uh, but, um, and so... Uh, we created that spot almost immediately after we were, you know, had won the uh, contest for the, uh, for the province. And, um, and uh, it didn't have happy faces and it didn't have a lot of people. It didn't have water slides. It didn't have any of the things that Newfoundland doesn't have. And, and our whole premise was that we don't want to attract tourists we want to attract travelers. Tourists know where they're going. They know what the experience is. They, travelers don't know where they're going and don't know what to expect. And so the strategy was very, uh, is this too long a story? No. Uh, so so, so this, the strategy was to, 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 to understand, you know, uh, um, a sophisticated and frequent travelers who have been all over the world in search of things that are unique and not manufactured in an increasingly plastic world. And so what we were trying to do was to uh, tell a story, uh, uh, warts and all, and to show a mystery and the enigma that is Newfoundland and Labrador. And so it had none of the usual entrapments. And it was a single chapter you know, in the story, whereas most tourism advertising, all tourism advertising at the time was about how many different constituencies, experiences, products, locations can you fit in that 30-second spot? Whereas when you think about the, the mindset of somebody who's traveling, and you've traveled a lot, you know, uh, that audience is, that experienced and sophisticated audience is looking for and interested in stuff that isn't choreographed. So this was a bit of a shock to the industry uh, when it first ran out, we had the full support of, um, of our client in government. Um, uh, you know, they were in bait with bated breath, and, and, uh, uh, but they couldn't take it off the air. The industry couldn't get it off the air because everything was, uh, was bought and, and uh, it was running and we needed it in January. So, but by the time April came, we started getting all these calls and, and from operators and, and government kept getting all these calls saying that they were that they're, 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 they were booked up or they were booking up and people were calling the type of people they hadn't really seen before. So it was it was we were on that edge, Frank. We were looking over that cliff. We could have had the shortest AOR assignment in tourism and destination branding history. And fortunately, it worked out. But it was. You mentioned earlier about clients willing the, the the bond of trust between, you know, people who create advertising and the and and the clients who depend on it for their business advantage and revenue and their life. And so this was a bond where we didn't feel left out, let out by our we didn't feel let down or 
by our client, we were all in this together. We believed in it. And while at the time it was, it, it was a very, it, it was, uh, people say, uh, you know, an approach that had never been used before. We just thought it was natural storytelling and it was intriguing and people would want to find out more. And then as they got down to wanting to find out more, of course, we could show them the kinds of things they could, you know, I mean, you know this inside out. I'm, I'm sorry to be boring you no, here. No, no, I, I think but it's that a great... 15 years old, Frank. I know, but it still works today. And I think that you've had some pretty good copycats. I think I've seen New Zealand and little little hints of maybe the similar stuff. And I think that yeah. years ago, we in British Columbia did a little thing where we had these moments or clips that were people on the boats and saw, uh, you know, a, a, you know, whale jump and, and uh, it was just yeah. different. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Wasserman did a campaign years ago, you remember it, I'm sure, uh, which uh, in print advertising with double page spread, like classic CA kind of layout, uh, three-sided bleed and at the copy at the bottom, it was a moody shot in a, you know, in a, a fjord, or oh, I guess it could have been in a Chevy, uh, in a, in a cove or a, uh, you know, Frank, that was pretty funny. <laughs> well, I, I, I know uh, that, uh, I know that even in our agency here, one of our creative directors, uh, Craig uh, Redmond, he said, I hear you're doing Noel Day, and he said, pass along. I just love what he's done out there. And uh, one of the questions that would be for me is like, uh, what's it like running an advertising agency from the, one of the four corners of the earth? I mean, yeah. Can, can I, I got to finish my story, Frank, about all right. Alan all right. Wasserman. I must right sorry I interrupted. <clears throat> and so, you know, double page spread, uh, bleed three sides. And it was uh, a pod of killer whales. There was no sunshine. Uh, it was kind of in the dark in the fjord. I won't mention Chevy this time. Uh, and uh, uh, and they were just, uh, you know, uh, back breaching. And the headline below said, some of our favorite visitors return every spring. Yeah. And, and that was a, that was a, and that was a stock shot. That wasn't shot for the with low budgets in BC. Uh, it was a uh, uh, supernatural BC was the campaign, if you remember. It was a, it was a standout, um, amazingly standout. It influenced me and uh, our guys a lot because it was so unlike most tourism advertising. And it just spoke with, in, uh, with an intelligence and a playfulness without all the usual trappings and cliches. Because like in advertising, isn't it all a cliche? Like if you, whether it's digital or an online or whether it is, you know, um, uh, on television, it's everything's a cliche and you can see the Dartnell handbook checklist of what's supposed to be shoved in there. Like whatever happened to just like speaking intelligently and having a little wink and a little bit of fun and bringing some beauty and not telling people what to think, like letting, laying out the crumbs you know, and the audience will discover them, bring their own meaning to it, you know, give a feeling of the place. I, uh, and it was a great campaign. I don't know that whether, you know, uh, Wasserman has gotten enough credit for uh, the, the, the influence it's had on, well, at least some people in advertising, destination marketing and, 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 and tourism, you know, but. Let's hope tourism gets back up and running again soon because it's been, yeah. yeah. So what's it like running an agency out there? I mean, it must be difficult in many ways, and maybe it's not. And attracting staff, I would imagine, I would think that maybe I'm going in the wrong direction. I think that maybe when you get them, they want to stay and not leave. Yeah. Um, you, you know, um, <clears throat> recruiting to, um, you know, recruiting, uh, uh, you know, very experienced uh, talent uh, who are also nice people, uh, to a completely different piece of geography. I mean, we're closer to Dublin than we are to uh, Minneapolis, you know, um, um, uh, is, is difficult. Um, it's, uh, it's difficult to get people to leave Toronto when they're in their careers because they uh, are saying, hey, all the advertising in the world is here in Toronto. Like all the multinationals are here. If I want to go to Hong Kong, which 
I guess that's off the list these days. But uh, if I want to go to any other exotic locations or New York or London or wherever, I've got a lot of opportunity or their spouse is working. And, you know, we had a wonderful uh, writer in Vancouver who was who was interested in working with us and her and and her husband was a, uh, a highly recognized and, and successful surgeon. And so, it you know, trying to trying to make that work doesn't work. So it is difficult uh, to attract but Frank, we only need it. We, 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 we drew the line. We went to 50 odd people. And next thing I was trying to be a manager and I'm, I'm a terrible manager. You know, uh, I, I, I would prefer to, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to get a kick in the side of the head, you know, if, uh, on George street than, than to be a manager and have to be so organized and responsible. Uh, you know, I like doing the work and, and, uh, so uh, we made a decision. Uh, do you know a company, uh, do you know an agency in, uh, in London? It was called St. Luke's at one agency. Yep, I do, yeah. Right. And that book, when TVWA bought out Shia Day and then Omnicom tried to barrel them all together and they revolted and they started St. Luke's. And th they had, uh, I forget the three uh, uh, principals who started St. Luke's. As a, a, and, uh, but he, they wrote a book called Creative Company. And they realized something I had realized in, uh, you know, in my in academic life is that once you get in services around beyond 40 people or so, you end up needing another layer of management. And then all of a sudden, instead of kind of working and writing and creating and solving problems and figuring out what the solutions are, you're spending all of your time managing another layer, which is perfectly a good thing to do for people who want to do that and, and to grow. I'm not knocking it, but for us, we cut back so we don't get more than 40 people. So we don't need a lot of people. Uh, we need like good people that are also like really nice. So we've, we, we have more success recruiting out of South Africa, although Brian Harrod was already here. So we weren't able to hire him back in the day or Ian Merlin, you know, but uh, and out of London and Scotland and out of New Zealand and a little bit out of Australia. Uh, and so, which is great to get, you know, people from many different cultures coming together, but they've got a similar, you know, uh, uh, sentiment, you know, uh, uh, and cultural um, uh, bond. So uh, recruiting is, is um, uh, staff is, is difficult, um, but it is so sweet when it works out. So we've got, I'm working with people now that, you know, are, you know, Tom Murphy and I, uh, Tom was creative director, uh, worked for 30 years before he retired last year. And he's back, he's back here because he misses it. He's actually uh, out on a, on a tourism television shoot as I'm talking to you. And, wow. and uh, so just back because he loves it. And, and Gay Broderick was uh, 31 years our HR director. And then we have people just out of Humber, people just out of other creative colleges, people with two and three years experience. So we don't need, we don't go chasing business and then figure out how to staff it, which is because we don't have the pressures of multinationals. And you and I have chatted about that yeah. a number of times yeah. over beverages and without beverages. But so, yeah, it is tough to get people. But when people come, I mean, so of course our appeal is that within Canada is we're an overseas agency. <laughs> well, I think you've given some of us and some of the viewers on this uh, who are going to watch later some uh, some of your special sauce. Um, yeah. You've you've over the years have had some really really important clients here: Canada, Molson Canadian, Unilever, Irving Oil, Rogers Communications, just to name a few. Um, uh, and and a lot of that work. How did they come to you? Frank, you know, I, I realize that you're going to end up having a nickname for me when uh, in the future, because you said, how did you get into advertising? And I said, well, in essence, what I said, it was serendipity. We do not no, have not anybody. <laughs> we no, don't. <laughs> oh, I don't mind. Uh, but we, we don't have anybody out knocking on doors. It is, it is. This is such a lousy. This is not a good business practice. This is not what do you call it there? Uh, best practices, Frank. We don't yeah. have anybody in charge of new business. Like no. people come to us, they say, I saw this work for Irving or for, you know, a brand, a Maple Leaf brand or something, or what you did in branding for, you know, Tango and Zip and Jazz for your Canada. 
or something or your new we just we were just having a lot had a lot of fun with a cannabis branding from the ground up uh with a, a brand called crooked jewelry and uh which is which is number one skew right now if i can put a punch in for those guys look it up uh but uh uh, and Naked Mummer, is that people come knocking on our doors. I think that, you know, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the idiom there? It's um, uh, birds of a feather fly together. I think people of like mind somehow in the universe find a way to attract to each other, right? And based on the sensibility, like we get people calling saying, well, I really like the sense of humanity in your work. And, and to me, I wish I had written that line and put it in an ad for Target because we hate doing, we don't want to do, we avoid doing anything that's shrill. We hate asking for our client's brand by us today, asking for the order. I, we think our job is to not to be a declaration, you know, off the, off the brief set in nice type and colors. We think we're laying out crumbs that people will pick up and they'll lead to the conclusion. So that sounds very serendipity. So clients, I mean, part, come to us and, and, uh, um, and it's, God, now that I'm telling you about this, don't you go like stealing our strategy, Frank? Oh, well, listen, I want to, I want to move to one of your spots that you did for Labrador, Newfoundland Labrador. Uh, and this is the spot of the clothesline. Could you play that one for us? Oh. favorite spots and uh when i interviewed uh, chris staples he told me that uh your commercials actually made him want to travel there and he said to me it lived up to its expectations uh, pretty good endorsement uh that's uh yeah i like and respect chris a lot so i'm gonna have to keep him on my christmas card list i, I can see that frank <laughs> but i want to ask you the question where do you go for a vacation um, well, I'm a traveler. Uh, I do a lot of traveling. Um, you know, um, well, I've traveled, <clears throat> um, um, you know, I traveled, I won't say almost every place, but I'm a big traveler. Uh, but my favorite places for travel, I'm, and I'm stimulated by, um, everything around me. Uh, I do do a lot of traveling inside in Newfoundland and in Labrador, um, you know, because it's kind of like, uh, who's that? The David Wallace, Thomas, David, Tom, David, uh, he said, uh, he used to tell this story about, uh, there were two young fish traveling along in the river and they meet coming in the opposite direction, like an adult fish and the, and the, and the bigger fish says to the two young fish, uh, um, water's great today, guys, and kept on going and, the two smaller fish, younger fish kind of moved on and one turned to the other and saying, uh, what's water? So, you know, <laughs> I, I think that if we keep, if we keep our eyes open, you know, it's like there's, uh, there's beauty and, and stimulation and interest everywhere. And so I, I, I'm, it was a roundabout way of answering your question, but it's, I, I could be happy just about anywhere, just where your curiosity can be evoked, where there's some stimulation and a little bit of uh, sparking off uh, imagination and just seeing how other people live, how they react, what social relationships are like, you know, um, uh, between couples, you know, I'm a people watcher, but 
Yeah. Uh, you, I, said, you said in an article, and you maybe answered this already, that uh, being where you are might actually be a competitive advantage. Uh, well, I don't want every agency, you know, and all the multinationals to move to St. John's to get that advantage. You won't so have please to worry don't about spread that. this. <laughs> you won't have um, to worry about that. <laughs> we, uh, I, we, I firmly believe that. I realize we are, you know, the most easterly point in North America. We're not in the center of where clients are. Uh, what we found is since, um, you know, one of the upsides from a business point of view with COVID is that clients and staff are, you know, uh, have adapted to working from a distance. We've always adapted working yeah. from a distance. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's what we see. It's like around us. It's like, if like in Toronto, uh, I used to hang out a lot at the Pilot Tavern, which I understand is now coming back into being a popular watering hole and social gathering place for advertising and marketing people. And, you know, and I, I love so many people in advertising, you know, a lot more than, you know, I'd prefer not to be his company to be in. Uh, but uh, I love it. So, but if everybody is doing the same thing in the same place and seeing the same stimuli, and telling the same stories, then it's very difficult to do, have great new creative ideas and to do work that's yeah. different. So, you know, I just, I like the color of the light under rocks, you know, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm working from home today. I didn't get to see God, you know, in downtown St. John's, you know, from earlier there, but the color of the light and the way that little wisps of fog kind of wraps around and kind of, you know, you, uh, I could wax eloquently, but I won't. Uh, unless you really insist on it, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to agree with you on uh, on uh, not a lot of agencies may want to move there. And as you know, I've been part of a smaller agency and growing it and having sold it to a larger agency, and then not and leaving that and starting it all over again. But it seems to me and that there's a, just a handful of really good agencies in Canada, including yourself, that uh, are, are independents like Broken Heart, Love Affair, and yeah. One two three West and Zulu and No Fixed Address and Rethink all come to mind, and it seems to me that they're all doing really quite well. Yeah, you, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I feel yeah, and and it's so great to see. You know, um, uh, it's so great when when Paul, when Taxi first started, when Paul and Jane first came from Montreal, and they were small. Then I mean they we were they were very generous to uh, you know I had worked with Paul Paul was at Cassette before that at, and on Air Canada uh, uh, work at Cassette and so we would get together uh, as a as a group but the, the and so you know Taxi became more than an independent now Sir Martin's former company I guess owns them and and stuff but there's been so many so much generosity it's great to see Chris and uh, Chris out there and his guys you know, turning their agency into a non-multinational shop and doing so well yeah. at, at it, you know, and uh, and people like Andy McCauley, you know, now Andy moved, you know, lots of agencies, a couple of agencies to, you know, to be sold out. But I, I think that if you're, you know, it depends on what you want, isn't it, Frank? What is the outcome? Yeah. Like, so I love doing the work. I'm not really that interested in growing and making a quadrillion dollars so I can do uh, something different. So uh, being independent, I think is, it just allows you to be that to thine own self be true because you can get by with owning 2% share of the market. You don't need to have a hundred percent share of the market. Was there and any sometimes you take these paths. You don't really know, you know, where that path is going is just there and you just keep traveling like the Johnny Walker walking TV. I love that. I love that. You no, know, wasn't that a great campaign? Well, I, I think it was, I don't know how many takes they had to do that commercial, but that, that one was fantastic. I, yeah. It almost, it, I thought that was seamless. I thought that was like, I thought it was seamless. Yeah. Seamless, you know, and, and, and that's life. It's, it's like, you know uh, you know, I think you gotta, you know, <laughs> Uh, um, I had a I worked with a guy, uh, a writer, really a Brit, who um, who said one time he said, "No, he said, I like the fact he said that you're you're be yourself." He said because I said, "Well, everybody else is taken, Neil." <laughs> <laughs> Was there any clients that you've come that have come to you that you've said no to? You don't have to mention. Oh me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta do that because it's 
you know, why would you work with somebody that you didn't like or you didn't feel it was going to be respected? And there are certain categories we will never work with. So we've never worked with distilled spirits, but hey, we're doing cannabis and beer. Okay, there's just like a greater intensity to distilled spirits, you know, like a lot of, and we won't do lotteries. I don't care. We, 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 that is a line in the sand. There are too many families and people that are destroyed by that false dream. And, and one other one, Frank, we don't do nuclear weapons. Good point. Yeah, Good point. We, we, that's off our list. If they knock on the door and say we've got a quadrillion dollars, it doesn't matter. We're not going to do any work for those guys. I'm going to ask you a bit about creative awards. You've won so many. And one of the only companies that have 11 agencies in Canada to win a gold line in the 55-year history of the Cannes International Advertising. And what, as well the only East Coast shop ever to win a gold Cassie, and now the only East Coast agency ever win a Grand Prix. And, and that's very impressive. And in 2017, you took home the most wins at the Ice Awards. Uh, you know, I mean, and uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, Chris Staples said he was like to win awards because it gave him notoriety i suppose but i guess no winning awards is sort of some form of being noticed yeah i mean i i think that when i tried to build our agency with chris and ron woodall i was upset that i'd go to these award shows and win nothing yeah and i wanted to change that so is how important was that to you you know well uh, there's that word uh you know uh, serendipity coming out of my mouth again it was, I remember we were in Montreal, we were doing a big presentation, Jackie Gale and I and Don uh, were in uh, Montreal making a presentation to an existing client, uh, which had just been swallowed up Gulf Canada East, a company called Ultramar. And uh, finally, somebody got through to me. And uh, actually, Jackie got the call saying, look, they're telling you, you have to go to Toronto for the marketing awards. And uh, we said, uh, the marketing awards, why? Like, we're going back home tonight. You know, there's beer to be drank. And, and, uh, and uh, so we went to the marketing awards and Gary Gray, which is, you know, a great guy. Uh, uh, he was chair at the time. I didn't know him. He's such a gracious person afterwards, so helpful and encouraging. And uh, we had won the gold award, uh, award for campaign we did for Cancer Care Center Award. It wasn't like doing billboards for doggies, you know, where, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that we did. We, we were doing the work because we were trying to help the cancer care center in St. John's, um, you know, uh, to get, uh, to raise money to uh, get uh, more equipment and facilities. And, and so we won this gold award and, and, uh, and, and uh, which was the first award we had ever won. I didn't even know we had entered it. Wow. entered the show so it was great we were there and uh and so it just is sir a bit of serendipity that it kind of happened you know but uh i mean awards are nice but you know uh you mentioned like gold uh lines the first gold line was for uh convenience store radio which is you know what that category is like how tough that is with no budget you know irving had 850 convenience store outlets in the U.S., uh, Northeast, and, and, in and in the Maritimes in Quebec. And uh, <clears throat> it, it, I didn't even realize Tom had entered it, you know? And so we, uh, I mean, so it kind of makes you, but Frank, it makes your mom proud. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that as one of the last questions. You already stole it from me, but you were inducted into the Marketing Hall of Legends in 2020, and I'm going to play that now because I thought that your, what you said was very important to the industry. So would you play that now, please? You've done a lot of research on me, Frank. Uh, I got some other questions coming. What? If we don't show in our storytelling by recognizing people who have had a large amount of humanity in their lives and in their persons and in their language and interactions, who also overcame whatever natural and artificial barriers that we have to face in our lives from young people and young people starting their careers. If we can't inspire those people by showing them themselves 
in other people, what they could be if they believed in themselves, if they were inspired, if they were tenacious, and if they could feel that I could possibly do that, then we've left our main responsibility in careers in our lives, like fall by the wayside. And that's why it's important. I've got to make a correction. And that actually is my evil twin. He was stolen by the gypsies. <laughs> I know there's a resemblance. But... I know, I know. But I, I found that the message there was very important, especially for young students coming up in NABS. And hopefully at some point in time, those young students will support NABS more than a lot of the uh, agencies who currently aren't. And, and, you know, for me doing this with you and others, it's important to know that this industry needs help and those messages coming from you and others really do make a difference in why people should get into this industry are basically the storytelling that you told today and why. So I have a last couple of questions and then um, these are coming from the audience because we do have a small audience. Uh, where do you think the industry is today and do you think there's still lots of opportunities? That sounds like a serious question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, advertising, the agency business has always been so, so I'll answer it in a roundabout direct way, uh, if that's not an oxymoron. But I mean, I think the industry has always been, clients have always been attracted by shiny stuff, you know, like ravens and crows, you know, and, and they are attracted by, uh, by the shiny and the new and the, and um, they, um, um, they forget, I think, that at the center, there has to be, I'll say, storytelling and humanity rather than the bling and the, the delivery of the, of the message uh, is, is, is less important, those tools are, than the core idea and the thinking around the messaging and the brand over time. So. I think the industry, you know, should not be allowing itself to get distracted uh, by the bling and the new uh, shiny stuff, uh, technology in particular. Instead, they should stick to the core strength of communicating and, and build, getting into people's hearts and minds and then use the tools. And I mean, all the research that I've been reading about from uh, the AR, uh, AAF, ARF, and especially from the UK is how advertising over the last 10 years has just been on a downward slope of effectiveness. And if that's the case, then we're going to be overtaken by, you know, the best practices that the large consulting companies have built their business on of, hey, we've, you know, surveyed all the airlines. And this is what we found are the correlators to greatest success and financial uh, returns and, you know, equity uh, value in the marketplace. And so you need to stick to those. Well, that's a, that's like the, the slow descent to the bottom. And, but, you know, we have independence, like look at one, two West and one, two, three West in, in Vancouver, they're actually thinking really uh, innovatively and creatively like independence and, and, Look at what you and Bobby are trying to do, right? In terms of, and where you're going to be going. Look at uh, even uh, Rethink, which has become very large. I didn't mean to say even Rethink, but it's a large agency. It's, it's actually doing, it's thinking, you know, uh, outside the best practices in a lot of its work. And whether that's from the early days when, you know, uh, uh, the boys started uh, Rethink, be that culture still being carried over, I'm not sure but there is still a streak of independence there. And, uh, and I'm leaving out a bunch of other agencies. I'm very optimistic about the future, you know, I'm right, uh, right. for advertising. Uh, I just feel it's important to make sure that we concentrate on the outcomes and not on the inputs, not on <clears throat> the measurement techniques for certain social and digital uh, and uh, online media tools alone that's the tail wagging the dog for, I mean, I would more than two thirds of all of our media, you know, uh, because we're, we're a, you know, we, we are a all in one shop. 
uh, <clears throat> uh, including media, at least two thirds of our um, media dollars, uh, including for Newfoundland tourism, Newfoundland Labrador tourism, is uh, in digital and online media. Yeah. So I'm not discounting the importance of those delivery tools, uh, but I can tell you that you know when big data is relying on big data to you know to get the message out uh, and decide what the message is, if we're relying on big data. And for companies to be telling me, as you see every day, is uh, that we understand you. Frank, I don't want anybody to understand me. I don't know of any person, any, any customer who wants to be understood by a toilet tissue brand or any other product out there. Just leave me alone. Get out of my life. Now, <laughs> I'm not discounting the affinity, you know, and, uh, you know, purpose-driven re research on purpose-driven, et cetera, you know, and the high correlations in certain segments for companies that express that. But what consumer, what human being wants to be associated with a brand that's an a-hole, right? I mean, and but generally, we don't have room in our lives to be understood by and to be friends with the tens of thousands of brands out there vying for our attention. I think that it's kind of like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's something you said when you were playing after playing a practical joke on me in my office in St. John's, uh, <clears throat> that reminds me that, you know, the simplest thing at the core is the most important thing of having effective outcomes with your campaign or for your client. And when you lose track of that and the bling becomes what you're focused on, well, God help us all. Hopefully that's where the, um, you know, hopefully that's where the, the, the consultancies are going, Frank. You know, they're following down that best practices road and we should be doing the opposite. Find that out, what they're at, and then go at a 90 degree angle. <laughs> right? well, I, have a, I have a feeling you'll be continuing to doing that. My last question for you. Oh, Frank, it can't end so soon. Are mom and dad proud of you? Uh, if they were here on earth, they would probably be proud of me, but they might, yes, they would, because it was um, unreserved, uh, uh, unreserved support for whatever I thought would make me not just happy, but to make me feel good about myself. So, and, well, and, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're pretty fussy about, we're well, not fussy. I mean, that sounds so precious about, you know, clients that we work with. I mean, nice people, you know, with good intentions, who trust you and treat you with respect, uh, not that we're not with respect, but at least not with disrespect, treat you like human beings, and you're a partner, and you know, you've got their back. And, and, uh, and we've got their back, because we're in it together, right. And so working together, like that's a like that, that's, that's, that's really important. So there are some, some situations, clients, individuals within companies that are clients, you know, the best job that you could do for them would be to say, we don't have capacity right now, but let me tell you a couple of, if you want, I'll give you a reference to a couple of companies that, you know, you should talk to. Um, Can I put you my you hand don't want to be I'll unkind put, about it. I'll put my hand up there. Can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> Frank, of course. Just don't ever, don't ever remove the braided cord from my telephone handset again, <laughs> and then go to the next office and call me. And I'm up in the air saying, hello, hello, hello. And there's no cord. Well, actually I have another one that I've done to more people. I'll put shaving cream. <laughs> I put shaving cream into the earpiece and then phone them. And of course I phone them. And I, I know that I had to stop after I ruined a hundred headsets. <laughs> no, this has been a great interview with you. I appreciate your time. And thank you for uh, talking to me on Ad Chaps or NABs. It's very important. And uh, thank you and have a great day. I really I, appreciate I, it. I have, Frank, I just want to do two, say two things now. One is, one is that, so when I said at the beginning, Newfoundland, understand Newfoundland, <clears throat> um, but uh, there's a Homer, there's a Simpsons episode. This is the second last thing. There's a Simpsons episode where, where uh, Homer and Marge are watching the news early evening and the news. 
And her story comes on about New Mexico, something going on in New Mexico. And, and Homer turns to Marge and says, there's a New Mexico now? <laughs> and uh, so I was, in, I was in Europe, Northern Europe at some sort of, uh, I think I was at a conference and giving a speech or something. And somebody, well, most people there thought that Target was located in New Finland. And they wanted to know the geography in relation to Russia on New Finland. So for you, understand Newfoundland. That's the easy way to remember. Thank you. <laughs> now come and visit again. I will. Amari, Amari. West Coast, East Coast. I plan to do that soon.